Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Hot podcast. This is episode 586 for the 12th of Tamos in a regular year. So if you've ever gone to the doctor because of some kind of health scare that you had, or if you were taking care of somebody who had, God forbid, some kind of health scare, well, hopefully, I just want to say, hopefully that health scare got resolved and it was just a scare and nothing more than that. But just playing with this theoretical example, the first thing that comes to mind when a person has some kind of scare like this, most likely is not money. I mean, sure, that might be a stress at some point to think about how much money this is going to cost me or whatever. But really people, there's kind of this idea, there's there's a saying that goes, which I actually entitled today's podcast episode as, which is you can't put a price tag on your health. So let's say if you went to the doctor and the doctor gave you some kind of medical advice and it was going to be very pricey, but this medical advice that they gave you was going to save your life and it was a life or death situation um, or it was going to really significantly improve the quality of your life like to to no end um so hopefully if you are a rational person money is not going to be an object money you're going to figure out a way to make it work because you realize that your health is really the most important thing for you in your whole entire life and so this same logic, this same idea of how it is that we're willing to spend whatever it takes to get better, whatever it takes to be healthy, whatever it takes to live, we're going to see how this actually should apply to us, not only in terms of our physical lives, but in terms of our spiritual lives as well. So the way this comes up in today's Tanya is there's this idea of giving charity. And just like most things in Torah, there's prescribed amounts of how much charity we're supposed to give, how much of our income we're supposed to give, we're allowed to give. So many of you might be familiar with this idea of miser which Meister is this idea that we it's incumbent upon every Jewish person to give 10% of their income to charity. And then there's an idea, which I think we might have talked about previously in the Tanya, that you actually can give up to 20% of your income to charity. And this is kind of like the most preferred way if you want to do this mitzvah to the utmost degree. Uh, but in today's Tanya, we're actually going to be learning about an instances when we actually are asked to give more than 20%. And we're actually asked to give a lot of charity and just lots and lots and lots and abundantly give to charity. And the reason why that we would have to do this or that the altar is kind of asking us to do this is as a way for making up for those fasts that we would have otherwise been required or prescribed to do. So if you've been following along in the past few episodes, and please go back and review if you haven't already, um, we've been learning about this idea that of this idea of what happens, what should a person do if they, God forbid, mess up, if they transgress one of the laws of Torah, one of the mitzvahs, which 
we're all human. So it's kind of expected that we're going to make mistakes at some point in our lives. And we talked about the idea of tshuva. We talked about how tshuva is basically the idea of, of stopping doing the sin and resolving to be better in the future. And then we've been talking about this idea of fasting, which we've been talking about how fasting, while it's not tshuva per se, it can be a nice accessory to tshuva in the sense that it can be kind of like this appeasement gift that we give to God after we've asked for forgiveness, after we've resolved to not do the negative thing anymore. We kind of want to be restored back into God's graces to the full extent. So we fast. And we talked about how fasts are really a replacement for the original korbanos, the original sacrifices that we gave in the temple, which were more like observedly, like more obviously gifts to God. Like we would actually bring animals to the temple, sacrifice them on the altar or, or give them rather to the Kohanim to sacrifice on the altar. And this was like a way of us giving a gift to God. And we talked about how we don't have a temple anymore. So instead of this, fasting is a good replacement for these sacrifices that would be given when a person would transgress. And we spoke about how there's actually a whole like science and there's a whole breakdown as to how many fasts correspond to which sin and how the Arizal actually really broke it down in a very systematized way. And we gave the example of, we've been talking about this example of like the, the number of fasts which are prescribed for the sin of wasting of seed is an example that, that keeps coming up, which is 84. And then we brought up this discussion that comes up amongst the sages as to what happens if a person um, sins multiple times, does this mean that they need to do the prescribed number of fasts um, those amounts of time. So like, let's say if somebody engages in that particular sin 10 times, does that mean that they need to fast 84 times times 10? So 840 fast, like that seems really excessive and it doesn't really seem so manageable. And we spoke about how there was one opinion that, that says that you, um, that you only need to do the fasting once. So it's like, it doesn't matter how many times you transgress that particular sin. You would just need to do 84 fasts and you're good to go. And then we talked about how the sages kind of come to this compromise where it's like, if a person engages in a sin, let's say that particular sin, multiple times. So we really say that three is kind of like the cap on the fasting. So if a person would then fast three times the 84 fast, they're good to go. They're good. They don't need to worry about it. Um, that accomplishes the eradication of any kind of uh, blemish between them and God in that way. Uh, we also spoke about how this is aside from the fact that fasting in general is something that we don't really uh, focus on too much in our generation because our generation is weaker and our generation can't really withstand so many fasts the way that previous more robust generations could. And we also spoke about how a way to um, to 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 get the same effect of fasting like a, a good substitute for fasting nowadays since we are weaker is actually to give a charity and how giving charity is a form of giving up of our flesh giving up of ourselves so that is a good way to substitute from that nevertheless something we're going to explore today is if a person really really wants to like do this practice of fasting, of giving an appeasement to God to the fullest extent, to the, in the most ideal way, they should take upon themselves to do to take do these fasts at least once in their life, do the prescribed number of fasts. So like, again, in, in the sake of the example of the wasting of seed, where we said that there's 84 uh, fasts that are prescribed for wasting seed. So you would do the 84 times three, which is 252 fasts. And we'll see how this can be broken down in the course of a person's life. So it doesn't have to be all at once. It doesn't even have to be full fasts. Some of them can just be half fasts. 
So we're going to explore all this this today, and we're also going to really try to cover all grounds uh, with in the ultra rapids method, even the strictest opinions about the number of fasts that a person needs to do. So if we go back to that original discussion of the sages, the argument of should you fast just that one time 84 fasts, or should you fast in multiples of 84 so that it's like every single time you engage in the sin, you'd have to fast another 84 times. So we came to that conclusion, that middle ground of the th- of three times 84. So that was like the conclusion, that was the compromise we came to. But today the ultra is going to say, but what if we don't want to do that? that uh, compromise? What if we really want to do this to the fullest extent? What if a person says, no, I, I sinned multiple times and I'd really like to redeem every single one of those sins. I'd really like to, to, to cover those fasts somehow. So it might not be practical and it's probably not practical to fast 84 times who knows how many multiples of the times that a person transgressed in that way. So in that case, the the altar says what a person should do and he's saying and the way that the altar rewards it isn't even that this is like a nice thing to do. He actually says it like this is what a person should do is that in addition to the fact that as we'll learn today, a person should take it upon themselves at least once in their life to figure out a way to cover all the fat, all the fasts of like three times the prescribed number of fasts. So 84 times three in the instance of wasted seed. For all those other instances, instead of fasting, what a person should do is they should give charity for these fasts. And this is going to come out to a lot of charity because the amount that the ultra um, gives here is to give charity in the value of 18 uh, coins, which in the the terminology used here is gdolim polish, um, which I'm not sure what that, what that means really, but it's some type of coin, some type of uh, value. So maybe to translate it into our terminology today, we could say it's 18 cents, $18, something, something about this 18. And so basically for every other, every extra day that a person should have been fasting, then um, they can give 18 of these this, these coins to charity in some way. So then the question comes up, which is what I mentioned in the intro, which is that if a person does this, they're going to be giving a lot of charity and they're going to be giving, be giving so much charity that they might actually exceed the amount of the prescribed 20%, the, the maximum 20% that that's allowed according to halacha. That we, it says clearly you're not supposed to give more than 20% of your income away to charity. So how do we resolve this? So the ultra rabba says to us very Clearly, he says, this extra money we're giving, this this doesn't fall into your accounting of the 20%. Because this money that you're giving, this these 18 coins, $18 per day, whatever it is, is not part of your miser. It's not part of your like regular accounting. This is for your healing. This is for the healing of your soul and to restore it from its, from whatever blemish came about from when you transgressed. And just like, as we said in the intro, there's no limit to the amount a person would be willing to spend on their physical health. Similarly too, there's no limit to the amount we, we should be willing to spend on our spiritual health so that it's not about like, oh, I reached my cap of 20%. Now I can't give any more charity. If a person really recognized the fact that they sinned and that they want to eradicate any blemish, any barrier between them and God, they'll be, they should be willing to spend anything to make this happen. And this can be accomplished through tzedakah, through charity. So let's get into this text and see how the altar explains all of this. And so for context, we're still in the middle of chapter three 
of Igeras Hatshuva. And the altar of it begins, and he says, Nevertheless, anybody who is a Baal Nefesh, so that's like a man of spirit, who wants to be close to God, to rectify his soul, to return it to God with the the best form of tshuva, like the, the tshuva mina muvchal, it's called, like the, the choiciest type of tshuva, then he should be stringent upon himself to fulfill, nevertheless, at least once in his entire life, the number of fasts for every sin from these more severe sins that are, um, that, that are liable for death, uh, even if it's liable for death by the hands of heaven above. So basically, so just again, to explain that, then uh, the altar was saying that if somebody that again, so fasting is not tshuva, I want to make that clear. So tshuva is tshuva, tshuva is just repenting, it's it's resolving to not do the negative behavior anymore in the future and stop doing it. But then fasting is a good way to, after doing that tshuva, as a nice accessory to tshuva, to kind of like restore your good graces to God as a kind of gift to God. And so here the altar is saying is that that for certain sins that are very severe, like there's, there are different gradations of sins. So some sins that fall into the category of somebody of, of where the punishment for committing those sins causes a person to be liable for the death penalty, whether by the hand of the court or by the hand of God. So these are obviously like very severe sins. So it's good to fast for these sins to, to, in order to really, really rectify your soul to its proper place. Um, and you can do this over the course of your life. You can, you should do it at least once in your life. And so what's an example of this kind of sin that the Al-Jarba gives? He says, for example, wasting of seed. So the wasting of seed is 84 sins. That's the prescribed number of fasts. And so he says that a person should undergo these 84 fasts at least once in his entire life. And he can delay this for the days that are shorter, like the winter months, and so he can fast like let's say for 10 days or even less than this for one winter and then he can continue to do this like then he can delay it again for another year and another year another year so that let's say he completes the entire 84 days in nine or more years according to his stamina right so it's like let's say if you I'm going to do a quick calculation here so it's like let's say if you do 84 divided by nine so that's like nine a little bit over nine years so yeah so you can take nine ten years to complete these fasts if you if you pick 10 days throughout um, throughout the, the year during the winter, short winter months to fast. And then and then in brackets, the ultra says in here, I'm going to make it even easier for you. He says you can also, the person can also eat a little bit about three hours before sunrise. So, and it would still be considered a fast. So it's like the fast would only begin right, right, right at sunrise. And so then it's like, you don't have to torture yourself so much. So it's really a very short fast. You eat right before sunrise and then you fast for the remainder of the day until it becomes dark. And that's considered to be a good fast. And then if a person wants to complete the like three times 84, which is 252 fasts, then they can do this, um, by further breaking up the remaining fast. So it's like, okay, they got rid of the 84 fasts by breaking it up into different days over the course of the year. Now for the two other rounds of the 84 fasts, so that would be 84 times two. So for the 168 remaining remaining fasts, what they can do is they can break those up into two. For each fast, you break it up into into half fast. So that would be, so it's actually you would be doing like 84 times four in this case. So it'd be 336 half fast, which is, is the equivalent of 168 full fasts, which is 84 times two. So uh, this 
according to the Talmud Yerushalmi, uh, and the source for that is in um, Nadarim 8.1 of Tal- the Talmud Yerushalmi. So this is also considered a fast, according to the Talmud Yerushalmi, that two half days are considered like one day in this regard. And so all of this is talking about these like very severe types of uh, sins that a person would be engaged in, like sins of um, of idolatry or even wasting of seed is, is in that category. Things that are liable for the death penalty, either by hands of heaven or by the the court. But the ultra says this applies to other more um, minor sins as well. And every heart knows its own anguish and desires its vindication. So meaning that we want to be ultimately vindicated. We want to absolve ourselves of any blemish at all. So even after doing tshuva, after we've done the tshuva, we've been forgiven, we still, we we have this desire to come back into the good graces of God and to just really cleanse ourselves of any remnant of it. And that can be accomplished through fasting. So this is something that we can do at some point in our lives, at least once. So just to give a little recap of where we're up to so far, I know it can start to get a little complicated here, but it's if you've been following along the past few episodes, maybe you're taking notes, maybe you can go back and review. There's like there's like a logical like thread that's being followed here. So of uh, we started out talking about the basic idea of chuva and what chuva entails. We talked about how the idea of fasting is not chuva, but it's an accessory to chuva and how fasting um, parallels the idea of the korbanos in the temple. We talked about how instead of fast nowadays, we can give tshuva, but then we went back to the idea of fast and we said that nevertheless, we should try to fast a little bit. And so with that, so we said, okay, so so let's say this idea of the, um, we're talking about the the sin of the wasting of seed. So it's, uh, so we, we got rid of the three times 84 number of fasts, that minimum amount of fasting that we should do. So that means... Uh, 252. So let's say theoretically a person did it. They they fasted 252 fasts, whether all at once or in the course of their life spread out over time or something like that. If we want to be really strict, as we learned previously, then um, really some there is an opinion that holds that a person should be fasting much more than that. They should be fasting 84 fasts for every single time that they engage in that kind of sin. And so in order to really be strict about this, and in order to be really like machmir, to take on the stringent, to cover this stringent opinion about this, um, then these can be redeemed, these fasts can be redeemed through tzedakah. And how can they be redeemed through tzedakah? Where each one can have the value of 18 gdolim polish, these um these Polish coins, I guess, some type of Polish currency for every day. So 18 of these Polish currency per day is a way that we can redeem each one outstanding fasts. And so too, says the Ultra charity can redeem any kind of uh, fast that would have been undertaken, even for those kind of sins that are not liable for death. So even like less severe sins that like we've learned ideally a person should really fast for in order to um, to to appease God for these fasts. So even for these kind of things, a person can give charity as a way to redeem these fasts. So as an example, the Ultraba gives is the um, is a positive commandment, either um, ordained by the Torah or ordained rabbinically. So a mitzvah doraita or mitzvah doraban, doraban, 
um, like as an example, learning Torah. Like let's say if somebody neglected to learn Torah, which is something that is very easy to do because a man is supposed to be learning Torah pretty much like every second of every day. So if there's ever a point where a person is negligent in this, then this itself is a transgression. It's a type of transgression. And so there is, and, and so for each sin, the Arizal prescribed a set number of fasts. And these set number of fasts are written in the Mishnah Chassidim in the Masachet of Tshuva, if anybody wants to look that up. And so for every single one of these fasts that are prescribed for each one of them, through charity, the way that we've been describing, if a person isn't able to fast and like make themselves suffer in the way that, that we've described. And even though, says the Altrepa, it's going to come up to a certain amount, like this is going to, if a person really does this, if a person starts giving 18 uh, numbers of currency, dollars, 18 cents, whatever it is, if they keep giving this over and over for every single sin that they transgress, this is going to come out to a large amount. And a person might say that, wait a second, isn't there this idea that's written in the Gemara, Ketuvot, page 58, that you should not give more than 20% of your income to charity. So the Altarpa says that it's that this is not, so if you look at the Hebrew, it says, which means you should not, in Hebrew means to waste, like to, um, to, to spend extravagantly. So it's like the idea is that you should not just be like giving all your money away in a wasteful way. So the Altarpist says that this is not a waste. It's not extravagant give, giving what we're talking about here. Because when we're giving this money away, this is in order to redeem our souls from uh, fasting and from affliction. And this is no different than if a person wants to heal their body or for any other thing. Like if, if a person, God forbid, if their house was in danger or something like that or anything, any they, someone close to them was in danger, they would spend anything to help out this person or help this situation. And so we see that indeed the fast that were prescribed by the Alter Rebbe um, in the Tikkun Chuva are, are a lot. Like for each sin that a person transgresses, the Orizal prescribes a lot of fast for these things. And so thus, if we want to redeem these fasts, yeah, we're going to have to pay a lot of money. This is, it's going to cost us a lot. And so the Altarpa says that all of those who are Haredim, this is Haredim literally means those who tremble before God. Um, they are, they have become accustomed to give a lot of charity because of the weakness of the generation. Um, because they, um, this prevents them from, from having to. And then the altar Rabbit concludes with a verse from Echa, chapter 3, verse 22, which is kind of to illustrate this point and bring the point home, where it says, Chastei Hashem Kilo Tamnu. And so there's the dual meaning to this pasuk. So literally it means the, the kindnesses of God, for they have not ended but um, or not concluded but that word that last word tamnu which means concluded can also be translated to mean we are not complete so what that means really basically what the altar is trying to say is that we are we need the kindnesses of god because we are not complete like we acknowledge the fact that we're imperfect and we're constantly imperfect we constantly see ourselves as imperfect so the bottom line i know it's a lot i know there's like a lot a lot here and it keeps building on itself like each each um portion that we read but the bottom line the bottom takeaway that you should take from all of this if if you want to just like be left with a final note is to give a lot of charity why and give excessively just abundantly in charity why because we are not perfect and we mess up and it's normal and this is human and this is what we do. But nevertheless, every time we mess up, every time we transgress the will of God, 
it needs to be fixed in some way. Ideally, yeah, we should fast. And there's like a lot of fasts that are prescribed for how to bring ourselves back, how to how to um, restore ourselves to that initial state that we were in before. But most of us are not strong enough to, or pretty much probably none of us are strong enough to engage in the number of fasts that the result prescribes. So the way to redeem these fasts is through giving charity. And the number of fasts that really we owe, quote unquote, to God is so excessive. It's so much that really we just should be giving a lot of charity all the time. So that's the, that's the point to be left with is just this idea of really understanding how much we owe God and how much we want to give to God. And if we want to take it back to that example I keep bringing up of the husband with his wife, is that it's the type of husband who feels so humble before his wife and loves her so much and just feels so bad about any time he may have said the wrong thing, may have done the wrong thing, that he just keeps bringing her presents. Maybe he brings her a present every single day. Like imagine what how beloved this this husband would be to his wife if every single day he came home and brought a little present for her, whether it was a little chocolate, a little flower, a little note, even something like this is the idea is that every single time we give charity, this is a way of giving a present to God. This is our gift to God day after day after day after day. So give lots of charity, everybody. And, um, that and yeah and feel good and be healthy be spiritually healthy be physically healthy and we're going to continue tomorrow when we actually begin a new chapter chapter four in this book Gerasachuva, and i'll speak to you then thanks for listening to the it is top podcast hosted by sarit switzer this podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather abraham yitzhak ben benyamin cohen of blessed memory music by shoshana if you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show Please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.